Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast, but it's not what you think. But also kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Sarah and I have been best friends for almost a decade. We met in a crowded college hallway and then proceeded to live together in Toronto for seven years. Ever since we met, Purse and I have talked about sexuality approximately once per day. We're constantly amazed by how the idea of sexuality can change and evolve and mean such different things to different people. After almost 10 years of talking about it, and trying to navigate it, we thought it might be fun to bring some other people in on the conversation. And that brings us to right now. The Girl on Girl podcast is a way for us to put real, transparent, no bullshit conversations between queer and straight people out into the world. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to tackle a lot of stuff that people who identify as straight might be afraid to ask. And a lot of stuff that people who identify as queer might be afraid to talk to straight people about. We're going to talk taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. The point is, over a decade of friendship, we discovered that Persis being queer and me being straight was not a dividing factor. It didn't separate us into these two distinct worldviews. It actually connected us, and it brought us a lot closer than we probably ever thought we'd be. Yeah, because we dated. Okay, we'll talk about that on another episode. We are so excited to take these conversations out of our living room and start sharing them with more people. And our goal is to hopefully inspire you to start having these conversations in your living rooms too. Hey P. Hey S. I am super excited. Me too. Me too. I feel like anyone who knows me or you separately knows that we love to talk. You know what's funny though is I didn't like to talk when I was younger. I know you were a shy, a shy little girl. I was very, very painfully shy. But I mean, it did go away. At I'd say maybe like nine, eight or nine, I started to grow out of it. Thinking of you as a shy person in any way is so adorable because you're you're so not shy now that like thinking of you shy in any way is just the cutest thing I could ever imagine. I feel like you were always very outspoken, loud. Why do you feel, why do you feel that way? Aries type energy. (laughs) I was always very loud and not, and not, I'm not, well, I don't know. We can bring a childhood friend on here, but I was always pretty loud. Yeah. To confirm the deets. I need confirmation because I don't even know. Um, how do you feel about this podcast? I've wanted to start a podcast for a very long time. I always knew what I wanted it to be about, and I wanted it to be kind of more like about your queer gay representation. Ass. Yeah, my gay ass. Okay. <laughs> because, you know, I still get people telling me that they don't see a lot of Indian representation specifically. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're getting better with the representation in the world now compared to like years ago. But there's not enough. So I just want to put my voice out there. I hope people can relate to my story and know they're not alone because there were many times I thought I was alone and I was like at a battle with myself. 
internally for so many years. Yeah. And we'll get into all the details. I listen to podcasts every day. Like I think there's such a great form of content to actually talk about stuff um, because they are long form and you can have real conversations and explore a lot more than you could in like a, you know, three minute video or whatever it is. And also I agree with you. Like, I just think that the queer representation in general is obviously growing, but it's intersectional. And yeah. there's so many subsets of it. And I, I personally, in the 10 years of us being friends, have not seen Indian queer representation at all. Like, we know Lily Singh. Um, but I mean, like the fact that we can only really name one, maybe, yes. we, can, we, maybe we can name a few others is just kind of shocking. I think that's why I feel really excited about this podcast. A lot of people can look at queer issues or race issues and think that like the problem's already solved. Why, why do we need to talk about it more? And it, when you look at it in a uh, intersectional way, like it's not, <laughs> the problem isn't solved. The problem is definitely not solved. <laughs> and no. I think even the fact that you and I, maybe we're missing someone, but from the top, off the top of our heads can only really say that Lily Singh is the first Indian woman in the, in the queer community that I can think of. I mean, I don't even know of a lot of openly gay men who are Indian. Just to clarify for anyone who might be listening, <laughs> we're talking about like um, in the media. In the media, um, yes. Yeah, like there's, there are clearly, you know, millions of queer Indian people around the world, but um, in, in the media representing that particular subset. We yes. can only name Lily Singh. We're in the know, I think, of a lot of, um, you know, pop culture moments and figures. There's definitely a lot of stuff I don't know. But the fact yeah. that we can't name that person and say, like, this person is also in the community, I think that says a lot. It does. But my hope, my true hope in life is that one day someone's going to be having the same conversation with a friend and they're like, oh, well, there's Persis Abraham. I hope so. And, and also, Sarah, the whole point of this podcast, too, is the conversation between a queer woman and a straight woman and bringing these people together to learn off of each other. And our friendship has been that over the past seven years, over seven years, I guess, of being friends, but living together. These are our conversations. They're real. I've learned a lot about you. You've learned a lot about me. Let's bring it together and be a union. Are you asking me to marry you? Yes. I want to hear about you. I want the listeners, if we have any listeners out there, to know about Purse. So tell me what it was like growing up, where you grew up, and uh, your first encounters with queerness. So I grew up in a small town outside of Toronto. Um, it's probably about an hour away. I lived there all my life. Like I never moved as a kid. I was around the same circle of people all through elementary school and high school before I moved for college. I grew up in an Indian family. Both my mom and dad are from uh, South India. And what's actually really interesting is that I don't necessarily think I grew up in a traditional Indian household. I have a lot of vivid memories when I was a kid of like a lot of family gatherings and being around Indian culture through that. One of my distinct memories is my dad's band that he had. <laughs> it was awesome. I love thinking of your dad in a band. It's my favorite thing to think of. Honestly, it was probably one of the coolest things because it was him and his band and they would be covering a lot of popular Bollywood songs. Cool. And that's when I felt very proud of my culture. 
am very proud of being Indian because I love Bollywood music, first of all. Mm-hmm. Me too. And it's the best. And I just remember always like feeling that love from everyone in the room. And we'd always get together, have a lot of Indian food. It was great. There weren't really many traditions that we followed or anything. So do you, like you, you'll probably go into this, but most of your friends were white and most of your, your surroundings in the city you grew up in were white. Did you feel othered in any way, like right off the bat? Or did the fact that your household wasn't incredibly Indian, did that kind of help you like navigate how to enter this very white social world? That's a really good question because I never really felt like an outsider, to be honest. I, it never really stood out to me. I can't think of a memory where I had, where I was like, I feel a little different. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way I grew up with my family. And I don't know, I, we just didn't put too much emphasis on it. It was like, yeah, I have a lot of white friends and (laughs) that was just how it was. And None of my friends also made me feel a certain type of way. In my high school, in grade 12, we had a photo shoot. You know, when you do like yearbook photo shoots at the end of the year? Uh, Did you guys do that? No, no. What do you mean like your school picture? Not the school picture. So we had like, maybe just my school did this. I don't know. But in grade 12, we would get like have these separate photo shoots, just like with the grade 12s. But you could go in with your group of friends. So I have pictures with like the same group of five girls who um I was best friends with all through high school just like posing doing random things you could bring props in anything like that the funniest thing was all the Indian girls took a picture together because there was only maybe like five of us in the whole grade five Indian girls in the grade yes we were like okay all the brown girls let's get together we're all in this together let's take a picture and I still remember the picture it's probably on Facebook still I'll show it to you later Sarah because it's funny to, to be honest, I feel like the only Indian representation I really felt within my household was through my dad's band and through food. Like my mom cooked Indian food. I grew up on Indian food. So that was also very important to me, but that was really it. Shout out, Rennie. My mom makes the best Indian food. She says she doesn't and it's really difficult to make, but it's really delicious. You grew up in a household that was Indian, but not overly Indian. And I feel like social life was just easy for you. You kind of just like, you were shy at first, but you just eased into it and you never felt othered and you never felt in terms of your race, like you were really that much different from your friends. You did start to feel different when you, when the idea of like crushes came into play. Yes. So what's really interesting is that when I was in elementary school, we live in a heteronormative society in general, right? So I think I always just knew it was natural for me to like start developing feelings for boys. And when I was younger, I really did have crushes on boys. I had crushes on many boys. And um, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> no, for Can real. Can you give a few of them a shout out here? It was only really when I got to high school I still had crushes on boys. That's all I focused on until I met a certain someone in a dance class who ended up actually being like my best friend for years in high school. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that feeling so vividly. It was different from anything I'd felt before, but I was confusing it for um, maybe more like admiration right? or just wanting to be like her. Because I remember being in dance class and I'm like, this girl is so beautiful. Like I was just mesmerized (laughs) (laughs) 
I can't wait for her to hear this. I know. She knows. I feel like at this she point, knows, she, she just knows. knows everything. Yeah, she knows. Yeah, so I, I almost want to give her a nickname. Let's call her Alice. Okay, Alice. I kind of just want to stop at that one point because I think that's so interesting that you were confusing the emotions you were having. And I think that's something that every queer person has experienced in their, like, just growing up in general. To me, as a straight person, I think that's really interesting because the idea of like differentiating between your emotions and understanding which ones mean which things is a hard thing to do when you're growing up anyway, let alone trying to figure out what your sexuality is. Oh my God, 100%. And the thought of ever liking women, it's not that I had a problem with other people being gay. Never. I was never homosexual. I was going to say I was never I was never homosexual. (laughs) (laughs) The whole point of this podcast, I all of a sudden tell you. (laughs) It's all a lie. I was never a homophobic person. I think it just scared me because we grow up expecting our lives to be a certain way. And I always expected my life, you know, I would be married to a man. I always liked men when I was younger, or that's what I thought I did. Even when I was a kid, I had crushes on Howie from the Backstreet Boys. Like, Mm -hmm. and when I met, Alice in yeah. um, dance class. It took me years to figure out that I actually had feelings for her. And it got to the point too, because I wasn't like kissing boys before high school or anything. I never actually got intimate with a guy. It was all just, I would look at them and be like, they're so cute. Mm-hmm. I'll look at a guy now and totally say, I think that man's really attractive. Right. It's when I just got to the point when it was getting to be a little bit more, I'd start to like kissing boys, getting a little more intimate. And I just felt this block until I kissed Alice for the first time. Mm -hmm. And truly, it was the realization which made me think, this is why everyone gets so excited. This is what those like passionate feelings are. Because I wasn't really feeling that for boys when I was in high school, comparing it to Alice. Yeah, I love that. I think it's um, really beautiful that you discovered that because I think There are a lot of people who don't ever have that feeling in life, but it does make me sad that you weren't able to just explore that feeling and celebrate it like most girls your age would have felt comfortable doing if they had a crush on a boy, right? You were more so just confused by it. And even though it took you a few years and finally you realized, okay, I I think I actually have a crush on this girl, you couldn't just like say it. You couldn't, no. just, you couldn't just ask her out. Like any normal girl your age would ask a boy out. You had to feel confused, maybe feel alone. And that was what was really sad because, like I said, it's not even like she was just a girl I had a crush on. Her and I became best friends. I was seeing her every day, going to her house, having sleepovers with her. And mind you, it's not like I would be trying anything. I, I was genuinely just – we were just friends. But, like, she had boyfriends. And I remember feeling so jealous just watching her be with these guys. And I don't even think I realized it was jealousy. But I was also friends with her boyfriends. It killed me sometimes. Yeah. And then once again, like, confusing emotions. Did you ever feel like you knew that what you were feeling was was some sort of jealousy? But did you ever try to convince yourself that you were just jealous that she had a boyfriend and that you wanted to have a boyfriend like her? Did you ever, was that ever like a confusion you had? Or was it pretty clear that you were just jealous because you wanted to date her? The second one, okay. actually. 
it's it's so funny because during that whole time, I never felt like I wanted a boyfriend. I wanted to spend time with her. I just think I thought her and I just have a really special connection. I was like, yeah. we're just really, really good friends. And I just love her and I can't explain it. Anyone who has had a crush knows that feeling of like, when you're deep in it, nothing else gets you as hyped up and excited as the idea of going to hang out with them or even just seeing them at a party or like, I don't know, a text from them or an MSN chat, like that and that feeling, like it's just so interesting that you had those feelings within this, what you thought was a friendship. Oh just, yeah. Just a friendship. Yep. So you had this crush on Alice. Did you, when you look back, were there any other girls in school that you were crushing on or was it kind of that just this one crush that knocked you off your feet and um, then on top of that were crushes you were having on boys? It was literally just the one crush for me. I even would say, oh, you know what? I have crushes on guys most of the time, but when it comes to her, it's different. Because I wasn't seeing other girls. I'm also a very, maybe that sense, says a bit about me as a person. I feel like I'm a very committed yes. person. <laughs> yeah. As early as 15 years old, I really only had my eyes on her. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Alice. Um, Alice, why? I just, I just didn't think of it. But after graduating high school and being more comfortable with my sexuality, I can look back at, on some girls now and be like, oh, I, I definitely didn't realize, but I totally would have been like attracted to you. Yeah, like you didn't have a, a massive crush on them, but, you, but if you were like out queer in high school, you would have been like hitting on them, probably asking them out. Yes, yeah. probably. And um, it's, it's hilarious to look back on, but no, I really had tunnel vision for my girl, Alice. Do you remember what your first encounters were with the idea that being gay existed, that girls could like girls and boys could like boys and all the in-betweens? I do remember. I actually have a couple encounters. One is a little bit more of like my first exposure to actually seeing it in the media. And the other is when I kind of uh, discovered girls can date girls and boys can date boys. So the first time I can vividly remember seeing any type of girl-on-girl -girl action, specifically. <laughs> Shout out. Really was the uh, Britney Spears and Madonna kiss at the VMAs in 2003 because I was eight years old. I am a big Britney stan, so that hasn't changed. That mm -hmm. love never went away. But even mm -hmm. when, I was, <laughs> when I was eight years old, I still loved her. So when I was watching the VMAs and I saw her and Madonna – kiss and Christina Aguilera was there too I remember being like whoa like that's crazy <laughs> that's cool I like that Brittany and Christina were in um wedding dresses and Madonna was wearing a suit so it was three women putting on this performance there's a kiss and that I think that was my first like queer encounter but then mm -hmm. I was watching a shot at love with Tila Tequila when I was a little older I was 12 years old and that was actually a dating show where Tila was possibly going to either choose a man to date or a woman to date. Yeah, so I think that was um, like a huge breakthrough in reality television. I, I remember that show being a big deal, but it was because of the shock value. And that's really shitty, but that's why 
it was such a big deal was because, oh my God, she's dating girls and guys on live TV. Well, not live, LOL, but on, on a um, reality show. I, I just remember like all my friends were like, oh my God, this is crazy kind of thing. It, it wasn't just like, oh, cool, another bachelorette. It was like, this is wild. So what's really funny is when I was watching the first season with my best friend, Kaylin, I was still very much under the impression I only like guys. And I was really only identifying with Tila and her relationships or having crushes on these men in the show. Mm-hmm. There was no woman where I was like, oh, when Tila's with this girl, I'm kind of feeling this. I don't know. It, I still really felt that way. And um, interesting. it's so interesting. Had you met Alice yet? Not yet, right? Nope. I met, I love how we're saying Alice. Because <laughs> I actually have a friend, I also have a friend named Alice. <laughs> okay, well, maybe it is that Alice. She'll, you know what? Let's just leave them hanging. <laughs> Although I didn't meet Alice when I was 15. Okay, okay. I didn't know Alice at the time I was watching Tila Tequila. Okay, so you were rejecting the idea that you could ever like girls. You just hadn't experienced a real attraction to a girl yet. So you were like, no, I have to be straight. Yeah, but I do remember when I watched the second season, there was a woman on the show who competed. Her name was Sabrina. That was the first time I felt something for her. Sabrina or for Tila? For Sabrina and Tila's relationship. I remember seeing them together and I was like, I'm kind of feeling something. Okay. And maybe a lot of it had to do with, uh, that was the first time I'd seen a femme. Well, Tila was pretty femme. Actually, I have to say Tila is a very femme-presenting bisexual woman. But seeing Tila with another femme lesbian, I was like, oh, I kind of like this. The first time you were aware that you could be a lesbian and be femme. Because mm-hmm. for so long, the stereotype of a lesbian was butch. There were a lot of androgynous women who were openly out and lesbian. Right. But there weren't a lot of femme-presenting women. So I was always like, well, that can't be me because I don't look like anyone. Honestly, for me, I'm so happy with where I'm at now, but I do wish that I owned myself a little bit more in high school and in college because Mm. looking back, it's actually really sad, but I was repressing so many feelings where it just wasn't healthy. Yeah. And I know there was a lot of factors with my friendship with Alice. (laughs) A lot of it was like, I'm really scared to ruin the friendship, but at the time as a teenager my feelings for her were very valid and real and I shut that down and I don't think it's healthy to repress feelings like that for anyone I I wasn't as scared as to what people would think of me if I'm all of a sudden gonna tell the world I'm interested in women I told my family I was into women when I was 18 I was kind of like owning the fact that you know what this could be me but I was always so scared of what, because if we're going to specifically think about her, I was scared about what she would think of me. Was she all of a sudden going to be weird around me? I never would have thought she would have dated me because we were friends for so long. And that terrified me. My best friend of six years, who I'm going to all of a sudden say, yo, this entire time we've been friends, I didn't really realize these were feelings, but those were feelings. Like, I like you. I think your story is so interesting because I think societal norms played a role, obviously. I think the biggest role was played by this one crush. I think your entire coming of age was revolved around this crush. 
the fact that you just said you, the thing you were the thing you were scared of was had nothing to do with the outside world. It had nothing to do what, about what your family would think, about what the other people at your school would think. It was only about ruining this friendship that you held so close to your heart. Um, and I think that's that's kind of unique. I think you were really lucky, and I know that you're grateful and fortunate that you grew up in a supportive family and you had friends around who who you wouldn't have been scared to come out to. But you were like, it was love. Like you were just absolutely in love with this person. I always get scared of the word love or Mm -hmm. saying I was in love because sometimes it's vulnerable, of course, to say I was in love with this person. But honestly, yes, I was. And I'll say that confidently. I think maybe there's different forms of being in love with someone. And it's teenage love, which is an absolutely valid form of love. It's different maybe from love in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s, but it's love. You know what? We live and we learn. Yeah. And I think that even though it didn't work out, obviously, I am personally very grateful for that experience that you had, because I think maybe without it, you wouldn't have been able to come, uh, come into yourself as much as, as quickly as you did. Everyone has their own path. And I think that crush, that love sped up the process. It just brought you closer to who you actually are. It did. And you know what? I'm lucky that it did bring me bring me those feelings at 15. Yeah. And like you, you had a teenage love and it, it wasn't the one you would have wanted. And I'm so sorry about that. And I know you've talked about that in a video and I think it's such a, it's such like an important thing for straight people to hear is like what queer people can be robbed of because of certain limitations. But you did get to experience teenage love at least. I did. Definitely the feelings. They were strong. <laughs> but Sarah, let's get into you. Okay. I grew up in a mid-sized suburban city about two hours away from Toronto. I was reflected back to me in my world. You know what I mean? Like everywhere I looked, everything looked like me and my family. Um, most of my friends were white. Most of my interactions with people were heteronormative, like everything that was happening in my family, I could see it reflected in other people's families. I didn't, I never felt out of place. I always felt like very welcome. But I moved when I was like seven and we moved to an area of town where it was uh, middle class, but there was also all of these pockets of um, lower income housing in the area. And so the school I went to was like this mesh of middle class kids and then lower income kids. And like any city, I mean, the lower income areas were predominantly minority groups. So I had a lot of friends who were Black and Indigenous and Guyanese and Indian. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, like predominantly white my school was, Mm -hmm. but I was, I feel fortunate to have had a little bit more diversity around me than a lot of other people I've met who grew up in the same city, but grew up in the richer parts of town. Racism was kind of like inherently part of instilled in all of us, mm-hmm. which I know this, this past year, we've all been kind of like exploring that idea a lot. Tied into sexuality as well. Like it wasn't um, normal to be gay. No one really talked about it. It was the early 2000s and like calling someone gay was an insult. Oh yeah. Like, I kind of, for- I literally almost forgot about that when people would be like, that's yeah. so gay. And oh yeah, terrible. Oh yeah. And like, I, I think when I think about my growing up experience, Um, compared to like meeting you and living in Toronto with you. It's just night and day. Like I had no idea 
I was in a bubble. Like I had no concept of anything outside of like my straight white world. But I, like I said, I was fortunate enough to have some friends who weren't white, but I didn't have any friends who were openly out. If I think about my first um, encounters with queerness. It was when you um, met me. <laughs> it was when I met Persis. Um, <laughs> I was like, what is going on? I, it was from TV shows. I loved movies and TV shows growing up. I think the first time I realized that a woman could like another woman, maybe, maybe, was um, Friends. I loved Friends. My sisters and I watched every single season. We had the disc sets. We were obsessed. And in like the very first episode, I think, you find out that Ross's wife is cheating on him with another woman and wants to leave him and get married to this woman. And both of those women are femme. They had like long hair and like beautiful makeup and beautiful clothes. And there was nothing about them that was the stereotype of um, a butch lesbian at the time. I think that's very progressive for Friends to be showing that. So Friends premiered in 1994, so the year I was born. And I think that they made a lot of gay jokes, which I'm sure we could go back to to all the jokes made in Friends and, and pick them apart and they would probably not be okay. But at the same time, I, they were showing a representation that I don't think was shown before, in, in sitcoms especially. So I, I feel like that was probably my first encounter with the idea of a woman being gay. But then also, there, when I think about it, there were two or three teachers in my school, male teachers. As we got older, kids started saying they were gay. That wasn't something that I had figured out on my own. It was something other kids were starting to say. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then what, after they said it, I paid more attention to those teachers and realized they talk a little differently from the other male teachers. They don't, or they, you know, walk a little differently than my dad. Um, they were what you might call like the stereotype of a flamboyant gay man mm -hmm. um, to me in my young mind. Now thinking back, like they were totally just honestly like normal dudes. Um, I, I think it was confirmed by the end of that by the end of my time at that school that uh, the one uh, had a male partner. But I think that was my first like real life encounter. And the kids were kind of making fun of it, if I, if I remember correctly. And then other than that, there was actually a kid in my school who I was kind of close with. I think once the kids started talking about these teachers, I noticed some of the same characteristics in this kid. And as we got older, other kids started noticing it too. And I'm pretty sure now he's like happily with his male partner. But regardless, I think that was also like someone my age who I was like, oh, I think that maybe he also likes boys. Mm -hmm. But the whole idea of like crushes and sexuality growing up for me was super confusing. I actually relate to a lot of the stuff you said about mm -hmm. feeling like you had to have crushes on boys, but not really feeling anything. Honestly, that was most of my growing up experience. Like I knew I was supposed to, so I, I would, air quotes, you know, boys would like ask me out on the schoolyard at recess and I would say yes. But I feel, I can't remember if I've told you this before. <laughs> Anytime I had this weird thing, I would say between the ages of like 10, maybe like nine to like 11 or 12 or something where Anytime 
a boy asked me out and I said yes. And obviously back then, like having a boyfriend was you hung out at recess and chased each other around and then went home. Um, Isn't that still what it is? That's what it is. (laughs) It hasn't changed a bit. A boy would ask me out. I'd say yes, because I'm supposed to say yes. And I'm supposed to like boys. And I would go home that night and feel sick to my stomach. Have I ever told you this? Yes. I remember that. I would just feel like I had done something so wrong. I would feel literally nauseous, wouldn't be able to sleep. And I'd typically wake up the next day, go to school and break up with them. Or maybe I'd break up with them like a week later or something. There's this one time a boy asked me out. I said, yes, went home, felt awful. Woke up the next day. I was like, I got to break up with this guy. And the next day was Valentine's Day. And I went to school. His name was Mo. He was the sweetest. Um, I think he's a kid now. Anyway, shout out to Mo. Hey, Mo. He showed up on Valentine's Day with a massive candy cane and a card. And he wrote in the card, I love you, Mo. And I went up to him on the schoolyard and he gave me the candy cane. He gave me the card. And I said, thank you. We're breaking up. Ooh, you were savage. I was savage. I was ice cold. And I kept the card, but he wanted to keep the candy cane. Yeah, he good. Keep the candy cane, Mo. You just got your heart broken. You yeah, poured honestly, your heart out to this girl. Yeah, he deserved the candy cane. Did you feel bad? I have to ask. Like, were you like, oh, I feel really bad? Or were you like, no empathy, goodbye? <laughs> there was something weird about me as a kid. Like, I was lacking empathy in many ways growing up. Listen, I'm working on stuff with my therapist. Like, we are we are growing and changing over here. But when I was a kid, I yeah, like I I obviously felt sympathy, but not in the ways that normal people did. And I obviously felt bad for this guy, but I think I was more consumed by my own feelings of confusion and insecurities around having crushes and liking boys. Just something felt wrong about it. And so for for years, I would say, oh my God, maybe I like girls. Because I knew by that point that that was a possibility. Um, I say, though, I, I do think it's pretty cool that you you even brought that up as a possibility. I feel like some people wouldn't even do that because they're scared. They're like, oh, would this be me? I don't even want to think about liking women. I wish I could go back in time and like jump into my brain, you know, but I don't think I was necessarily like, hmm, maybe I like girls. I should explore that. It was, it was definitely a bit more like, oh God, maybe I like girls. And it felt, it didn't feel exciting. It felt scary mm-hmm. um, to even think about it. So here's the thing. I was like, okay, maybe I'm gay. That's what I thought. But thinking this for so many months and potentially years, I didn't have crushes on any of the girls in my school. I would look around me and be like, okay, well, but I don't, I don't feel like attracted to any of my friends, any of my girlfriends. And there's no girls. There's not even girls like pop stars that I feel like a, my heart beating faster. It got to the point where I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I don't like anyone. Mm-hmm. So I finally did have a real crush and I felt like what you were feeling for Alice. I felt for, let's call him um, Joe. Okay. And so finally I had that feeling and I, and I remember feeling relieved. I remember being like, oh good. This means that I don't like girls. So I clearly had um, a stigma against being gay and it was all built from the schoolyard. Like that was just the culture in the early 2000s. And I just felt like it was something bad. And none of my friends were openly gay. No one in my family was openly gay. So I didn't see anyone doing it. So I was like, oh, it must be like this weird, bad thing. I had no concept 
of the possibilities and I felt relieved. Yeah. And I that's definitely sad. Like, it's super sad. It's so, I th- I'm just so grateful that I was able to move away and, and learn and grow and meet you, for example. But like as a young, I think I was maybe 11 or 12 when I first had a crush on like a real crush on a boy that I was like, okay. Because of the environment you grew up in, you're going to think, thank God I'm normal. I'm having exactly. a crush on a boy. I always felt like, like something was different about me um, in relation to my friends. I, I think we might've been a little young to maybe be thinking about this because I didn't learn about asexuality until maybe into my later teens, to be honest. But did the thought ever come to you that you're like, hey, maybe I could be asexual? No, and I was definitely not progressive enough to, in my little 11-year-old mind to be like, maybe I'm just asexual because that wasn't an option. And if I liked girls, then that, then that ruined that. And if I didn't like anyone, it also ruined that. So I was like, I have to like boys, basically. That's like mm-hmm. my only option. But I want to be clear, like no one was pressuring me specifically to be heterosexual. My family, my family was, was never making fun of gay people or being homophobic um, openly. And, and none of my friends were either my close friends. It was more just like, I understood based on my, my, the people in my school, movies, my society, my world, that being gay meant you were different. And yeah. And then I had a crush on a boy, a big crush. Like, I don't know if it was Alice level, but like also maybe Alice level. Like teenage um, love. Teenage sure. love. And then from there, I started to have some more crushes on boys. And um, it, it did get to the point where I was learning more about, about um, sexuality. And once I went to high school, I met people who were openly gay. Um, and yeah, just started learning more. And I was able to take a better look at my, my emotions and realize like, yeah, I, I just am... Um, heterosexual. I don't have attractions for, for women yet. Like I, I haven't experienced that yet, but I am having all of these feelings for boys. I don't know. I think it's interesting that I was so obsessed with it. Also, I feel like during that time, it wasn't celebrated to be unique and be different. Everyone wanted to be the same. It was almost scary to think I'm different. The fear of society wasn't something that triggered you as much. But for me, I didn't have that natural integrity or natural self-confidence. I came off as confident and I still do because I tend to be louder than other people in the room. But I was just like a little self-conscious mess. Like I think almost all of us were, right? And I put a lot of um, my sexuality. I, I focused on it a lot, but I didn't talk about it with anyone. It was like such an inner, inner thing that I would struggle with. So even now, like your friends don't know that you struggled with this? That's a good question. I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever really told them. And I, I would tell them in a second. I, I would call them right now and be like, did you ever know this about me? I think your story is very interesting because who knows, maybe there's more people who identify as straight right now I could talk to who maybe kind of had that am I gay moment when they were growing up. But I don't think that's like super common, you know, like I think what you went through as well, totally normal. All those feelings of, you know, you're still young. You don't know what like real feelings are yet. You're like, Mm -hmm. we're all hormonal. We don't know what's going on. But I think it's very cool that your mind even went there. 
Yeah. And I think that I could imagine what you might have felt, for example, like what I felt was maybe close to what you felt. We all got to take a walk a mile in each other's shoes. (laughs) (laughs) What's that Eminem lyric? So at the end of every episode, we're going to give you guys a little fast fact, something that you might have missed in the uh, queer pop culture world. And this is one of Persis's favorite facts. So give it to him. I want to talk about, this was early, early (laughs) 2000s, maybe mid 90s, mid 90s to early 2000s. The Angelina Jolie and Jenny Shimizu romance. That's right. Sarah, did you ever hear about that? Absolutely not. So, here are the facts. During the filming of the 1996 coming-of-age film Foxfire, which I actually recently watched a couple days ago as a throwback. um, Oh, you did? Yeah, I watched it like two days ago. Is it good? It's really good. It's um, based on a book. It's about these uh, girls in high school who kind of come together to take down their uh, science teacher, I think it is, because he's a sexual predator. Oh, I love this. Okay. But Angelina's character is like a drifter and she just kind of goes from like town to town hitchhiking. So she's like not even a part of the high school or anything. Okay. But they're all like intrigued by her because she's so badass and like tells the girls what to do. It's all like women empowerment. Beautiful. Beautiful. She's stunning. I could go on for a long Mm -hmm. time. Angelina Jolie said she would have married her female co-star, Jenny Shimizu, if she wasn't already married to her first husband, Johnny Lee Miller. It was love at first sight for her. Angie was interviewed on Bravo TV many years later and was asked about her romance with Jenny. The sad part about this, due to the media's ignorance on bisexuality back in the mid-2000s, Angelina was asked if she made that statement of falling in love with Jenny for the shock value or as a way of promoting her film. Here is Angie's response. Angelina, who knows how to stir up a bit of a fuss, during the promotional tour, said that you would fall in love with someone during the filming. Remember that? Mm-hmm. With whom? Jenny. I got very close to Jenny. Were you just promoting the film, or were you talking? About... Oh, I would never do something. No, I was. What? I thought she was a beautiful, magnificent woman, and and I didn't see. I just said it because it was what I felt. Not for a shock value. No, no. I would still find that strange if people get shocked by something like that. I, I just think this is so interesting. I never knew about this. This was not part of my like pop culture world growing up. I love how open she's been about it. Okay, Persis, I love you. I'm so happy that we're doing this and that we're starting to have some of these conversations in a more public way. Just like telling our stories to the world. <laughs> I know it feels weird. This definitely isn't my comfort zone. It's definitely more of your alley, but I am just super excited to start talking about this stuff. Or like, um... <laughs> She's flustered. It's okay, we have a past. I'm just going to say, Sarah, thank you for being a part of this and being so open with me. And I think these conversations are important. I know there's parts of it where we're laughing and we're almost laughing at ourselves for what we're saying. Always laughing at ourselves. But our point is, is we think these conversations need to be had. And I'm very excited to see how this does, where this takes off. I hope we at least, people can relate to us. Yeah, I hope at the, very, at the very least, all I want is for minimum one person to listen to this and be like, cool, I, I feel like I can talk about this stuff a little bit more openly with my circle. And I think that being able to be friends with you and 
have these conversations more openly than I had ever had in my life. I think it's just made me a better person. So thank you. Of course. And me too. You've, you've never made me feel nervous. You've always made me feel very accepted. So thank you for that. Anytime, babe. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> okay. See you on the next episode. Bye guys. <laughs>